0: Welcome to Talk Talk. My name is Kevin Aronson from Hampshire School of Photography and this is episode 8 of a 10-part series looking at the basics of photography. Today, we look at lenses, which ones you should buy next. We look at wide-angle, telephoto and the importance of field of view. If you're new to photography and you're not sure what lens to buy next, hopefully, this episode will answer most of your questions and give you some valuable insights. comes a point where you've had a camera now for a little while and you want to kind of take your photography to the next level and among the questions you're asking yourself or normally I get asked by my students is what lens should I buy next? Most cameras come fitted with what they call a kit lens and typically uh, they're a zoom lens and you have a range somewhere between 18 mm zoomed all the way up to 55 mm the 18 to 55 is a very very common standard lens but it's limited because it's a low-quality lens. The optics aren't very good. It's made of poor materials. It doesn't open up particularly wide in terms of maximum aperture, so you can't really use it in low light. You don't get a good bokeh. You don't get a really nice background blur to your images when you're photographing portraits. So it's a fairly limiting lens, but it's a good lens to get started with because it provides a broad range of focal lengths all the way from 18mm all the way up to 55mm. Now then, what lens do I normally suggest people buy next? There's no hesitation here. 50mm. The 50mm standard lens is the lens we should all be going to. But before we go any further, I think we need to just look at the 50mm lens and ask ourselves, why is it called the standard lens? Well, it was. Back in the days of the 60s and the 70s and possibly in the early 80s as well, when you bought a 35mm film camera, if it was an SLR, a single lens reflex with interchangeable lenses, then you can pretty much be assured that the lens that would come fitted with it would be a 50mm lens. And it was a good lens because it saw roughly the same field of view as our eyesight So it's about 46 degrees across the diagonals. Looking through it it was quite comfortable. It had the same perspective as well. So 50mm was a very comfortable lens to work with. It was easy to acclimatise yourself to it. It was called the standard lens not just because it came standard with all the new cameras but because it also represented the standard of human eyesight. But more so than that it was also the standard by which other lenses were measured. Now... What do I mean by that? Uh, if you were to draw a line in a graph, a horizontal line representing the 50mm lens, all lenses with a focal length less than 50, so common lenses would be a 35mm or a 24mm, possibly a 15mm, all less than 50 they would end up with a much wider field of view. You'd see more image, so if you were to take a picture with one of these lenses of a a beautiful landscape scene, you'd get more of the landscape in the shot. And because you saw more, there was a wider field of view and these became known as wide-angle lenses. So, by definition, a wide-angle lens was any lens with a focal length less than 50. Now it's, it's not exactly right there because really what you should be looking for rather than the focal length of the lens is the field of view. So if a 50mm lens sees roughly 46 degrees of picture then any lens with a wider field of view than 46 degrees is going to be a wide angle lens. And these are perfect for landscape photography because, obviously, you can see more of the landscape. Now, what if you went above that imaginary line, above 50, and you went to 85 or 135, which is the, both of which are common portrait lenses, 200mm, 300, 500mm. These lenses are called telephotos. These lenses are longer than 50 And usually they're much longer lenses physically as well. Some of them very long and very heavy. And these will magnify the image a lot. But their field of view gets steadily narrower and narrower. And when you've got very long focal length lenses, really over 300, it's like looking through one of those tubes in the centre of a toilet roll and you get a very limited view of what you can see in front of you. So with telephoto lenses which magnify the image your field of view is quite narrow but if your focal length is under 50 or under 46 degrees of field of view then your field of view can be really very wide. I had a fisheye lens once where the field of view was 180 degrees so when I held it to my eye I could actually see my feet in the bottom of the picture it was nuts absolutely nuts. So choosing the right lens for the right job is important and understanding just how focal lens affect lenses and which focal lens are most appropriate to the shot is obviously quite important for your creativity. As a landscape photographer then I'm probably going to be picking lenses, I don't know, 24mm lenses. 15 millimetres is super wide and it's fantastic for very dramatic scenes. as It emphasises perspectives and, and can turn fairly ordinary scenes into something quite cinematic. But if I'm interested in photographing sports or wildlife, I want my lens to magnify, to take me in closer to the subject. If I'm photographing a bird on a tree, I want a 400 millimetre lens or more to give me a super close-up of that bird. See, a 400 millimetre is eight times magnification, eight times. The same as a pair of binoculars. So if you can afford a 400mm lens, it's like carrying a pair of binoculars on the front of your camera. Obviously, if you go to even longer. So if you could afford an 800mm lens, and they are a lot of money, believe me, a lot of money, then you would be talking 16 times magnification. Extraordinary. Your choice of lens not only affects what you can photograph, but what it looks like. So if you use a wide-angle lens where the perspective is stretched out and the whole thing looks enormous, your depth of field will be very wide and the scene, I think I used the expression a few moments ago, can be quite cinematic. But if you've got a scene, like a group of mountains, and one mountain top is just catching the sun as it sets in a very warm glow, you could use a long lens... To photograph that peak and just capture that beautiful, warm sun on the top of that top of that ridge, and it could be really attractive. And, and I'm saying this because the general accepted norm is that for landscape photography, you only shoot with wide-angle lenses. Not true. There are plenty of occasions where you could use a telephoto lens on a landscape image just to pick out detail for one area. You don't have to show everything. Photography is an art form, I'm sure I've said this before, which means there are no rules. So there are kind of rules while you're learning, so you get into good working practice, but the more confident you get and more creative you feel, the more you can break those rules to become even more creative. But what about shooting portraits? Now, traditionally, portraits have been shot with lenses with focal lengths of around about 85mm, I like the 135mm as my chosen one. The telephoto lens narrows the depth of field to give you a soft background so you get a really good bokeh in the background. Bokeh is the out-of-focus blur in the background of the photograph and it's quite common these days to photograph people with a nice bit of bokeh because we like those shots of people where the background is blurred. Hollywood is always producing movies where, uh, as they've got actors talking, the background is very soft behind them. It separates them as a subject from the background, and it's attractive. But you don't have to shoot portraits with long lenses and get blurred-out backgrounds. It's only one way. It's quite possible to take a photograph of someone, a portrait of someone, and actually have the whole scene in sharp focus. Now, typically, this would be maybe an environmental type of portrait or maybe a candid street photography type of portrait. And let's just say, for instance, that you commissioned by a local businessman to photograph him in his factory. You might want to get him and maybe some of his co-workers. He might be talking to them. You might want to see the factory and all the machinery, all in perfect focus, in which case here you're taking an environmental portrait where everything is sharp, because the background behind your main subject tells as much about them as his face or her face. So environmental photography would not be necessarily looking to have a blurred-out background. But family photographs and maybe working with models and so on, it's quite acceptable to have the blurred-out background. In fact, it's a, it's a preference. People like the blurred-out background. So what am I saying? What I'm saying here is that, You don't have to use a long lens for portraits but when you do you get cracking shots. But to be fair you can get cracking shots with any lens. I guess this is one of those sweeping generalisations and I do like to use sweeping generalisations. And usually for portraits you use a moderately sized telephoto lens. For landscapes you use a wide lens but both of those rules can be broken. So when you're asking yourself, OK, well, I've got, I've got my kit lens, my 18-55, to what do I buy next? The answer is, as it is for all the questions that are thrown at me, it depends. It depends what you want to photograph, and it depends not only what you want to photograph, but the style of your photography. So if you want to shoot pictures of people and you want to get blurred out backgrounds, then you really ought to be getting a longer lens and preferably one which opens up to a reasonably wide aperture, so you can soften out the background a lot easier. And the 50mm is still, in my opinion, the first lens of choice if you've got a full-frame camera. And if you remember from an earlier session, a full-frame camera is a camera where the digital sensor is the same size as a 35mm negative. But here is the interesting thing just to consider. Most amateur photographers don't have full-frame cameras. Most have crop-frame cameras where the the sensor has been cropped in size, reduced in size to make it smaller and therefore more inexpensive to produce. And that sensor, because of its small size, has a magnifying effect on all the lenses that's put on it. So if you put a 50mm lens on a crop sensor camera with a 1.5 crop which is the most common crop you have to magnify that lens by 1.5 so what is a 1.5 crop okay let's try and let's go back in time a little bit just before digital really started kicking off there was a film format called apsc and apsc stood for advanced photo system classic apsc was just one of the three formats that you would get in a camera able to run the advanced photographic system. So you'd buy a camera which ran APS and you could usually pick between a, like a wide panoramic view or a square image maybe, or maybe a shape which was smaller in size than a normal 35mm negative but had the same kind of screen ratio of, which is about two to three, two down one side, three down the other. And it's that APS-C is what camera manufacturers, when they went into digital, they, it's what they employed to shrink their cropped sensors down to. So on the one hand you had the full frame sensor which represented 35 millimeter film. But the APS-C maintained the screen ratio but was smaller. One of the interesting side effects of APS-C is that the smaller sensor only took out the middle of the image that you were looking at. So if you were looking at an image on a full-frame picture, you would see more. On an APS-C, you just see the middle. And as a result, the image looks bigger. It looks magnified. And it looks magnified to the value of about 1.5. In other words, the image looks 1.5 times bigger but there are the reason I'm I'm staying on this is because there are cameras out there which have different formats to APS-C and I'm thinking primarily the format used by Olympus and Panasonic and they use a system called micro four thirds yeah bit of a mouthful isn't it micro four thirds so they are small they're smaller still than the other two smaller certainly smaller than full frame and smaller again than the APS-C and they're so small um that the magnification effect is not 1.5, it's 2. Let me explain. If you've got a 50mm lens and you put it on a 1.5 APS-C sensor, that 50mm lens, whilst it has a focal length of 50mm, when you put it on a 1.5 crop, there's a magnification effect equivalent to that 1.5. So that 50 has to be multiplied by the 1.5. And 50 times 1.5 is 75. So the 50mm lens on an APS-C camera no longer behaves like a 50mm lens. It behaves like a 75mm lens. Now, if you put that same 50mm lens, if you could do this, On a micro four thirds camera, which has a two times (laughs) a two times crop factor, that 50 now is equivalent to a hundred because two times 50 is a hundred. So, 50 on the APS C is 75 mil, 50 on a micro four thirds is 100 mil. So, consequently, manufacturers of those cameras now produce their own lenses and and. Their standard lens is not 50. Let's just look at APS-C. So a standard lens on an APS-C, equivalent to the 50 on a full-frame camera, are you keeping up with me? So it's easy for me to know this, but when you're listening to this with, with no images, you got your brain starting to get a bit addled. All right, let's slow down. Uh, let's slow down, let's slow down, let's slow down. APS-C, APS-C camera, because of the 1.5 crop, will multiply the effective focal length on any lens by one point five. So to get an equivalent to a fifty millimeter lens on an EPSC camera, you have to put on a thirty five millimeter. Yeah, a thirty five millimeter lens. Because thirty five times one point five is just a touch over fifty. It's close enough. So on your camera, if you've got an APS-C, your standard lens is not 50, it's 35. So don't rush out and buy a 50, because you'll end up with a 75. Yeah? Okay. On a crop frame camera with a micro four-third system, you put a 25 mil on, because 25 times 2 is 50. So uh, what we're looking at here is not necessarily the focal length as being important, but the field of view. The field of view of a 35mm lens on a 1.5 crop, saying this as slowly as I can so you can keep up with me, the field of view on a 35mm lens on a 1.5 crop is around 46 degrees. The same as a 50mm lens on a film camera or a full frame crop, 46 degrees. And the field of view of a 25mm lens on a 2 times crop is the same as a 50mm on a 4 frame. They're all 46 degrees, thereabouts. So it's the 46 degrees which is the important element here. That's, That's what makes the difference. So, you see, this is kind of more important than talking about focal lengths, because... It was all very well for me to say any lens which is less than 50 is a wide angle, any lens which is more than 50 is a telephoto. But that doesn't apply if you've got an APS-C camera because on an APS-C camera, is any lens which is wider than 35mm is a wide angle, any lens which is longer (laughs) than 35mm is a telephoto. And on a micro four-thirds camera, any lens which is shorter than 25mm is a wide angle and any lens which is longer than 25 mil is a is a telephoto so it, it just makes it easier if we just talk about fields of view we haven't got to worry about lengths of focal lens. it gets confusing when you mix between the different um sensor sizes so it's all about really the field of view and field of view is important when you're using a lens because sometimes you just don't want everything in a shot you just want to focus in on one spot or you maybe you don't want to focus in on one spot. You want to see the whole damn thing. So we're going to go back to the question. Then you, you you've got your oh. So hang on before we do that. Let's just look at that. Um, let's just look at that kit lens, 18 to 55 millimeter kit lens, which is so popular. Well, the 18 to 55 is really popular on crop frame cameras because the 18. Has to be multiplied by 1.5, and so does a 55. It isn't actually 18 to 55. When you allow for the 1.5 crop, it's actually 27 to I think 82 and a half. If I got my maths right, 27 is a nice wide-angle sized. 82 is a good lens size for uh, a portrait. You can see now why they've picked 18 to 55 because it's not 18 to 55. It's 27 to 82. Jeez, now. If you have followed that, I'll take my hat off to you because just listening to me rolling off numbers cannot be easy. If you're thinking, oh my God, how does he know this? This doesn't make any sense. My brain's hurting. I'm bleeding from the ears. Yeah, book onto one of our workshops. It's much easier when you actually can have some kind of visual display to explain how this stuff really works. But doing the best I can... In effect, the 18 to 55 focal length kit lens is in reality a 27 to 82.5 lens. Right. Still brings me back to the initial question though. What should be your first lens? Well, your first lens, in my opinion, should not be a zoom. It should be a prime lens, so it doesn't zoom. And if you've got a crop frame camera, it should be a 35mm. 35mm lens, big wide aperture maybe f1.8, something like that you get loads of lovely background blur and because you're seeing in the same kind of field of view as your eyesight you'll find it a really wonderful lens to work with. Creatively it will just stimulate you beyond your imagination. What are average shots with your kit lens will become amazing shots with that particular lens. If You've got a micro four-thirds camera, so if you've got a Panasonic camera or an Olympus camera, then you would be going for a 25mm lens. That's your standard lens. Beyond that, then, it really depends where you're going to be getting into wildlife, whether you want to go into landscape photography or whether you want to shoot people. And shooting people's an easy one, 85mm, something like that, 135mm, if you can afford it. I love the 135mm lens. Um, but of course, on a crop, one point five crop. That's not a one three five. It's a ninety millimeter. <laughs> oh gosh, you get so complicated. Just remember, it's all about uh, fields of view. And oh, yeah, yeah. I tell you what, just book a one of our workshops. It's so so much easier when you're face to face and showing someone with examples and illustrations. Listen, I, I, I kind of get it. Um, this is a tough one. This is a tough one because it's kind of got a bit technical, in fact, very technical. And I've said on numerous previous TOG Talks that there are some things which are just difficult to explain adequately without having any kind of images to demonstrate the point. But if you stuck with me so far and you kept up, then uh, full marks to you. You've done extremely well. That has really only kind of scratched the subject on lenses. It's a big subject, but, you know, we've gone on quite a while. We've, I've waffled quite a bit, and um, I think it's time to say see you until the next one. Talk Talk is sponsored by the Hampshire School of Photography. We have a training centre in Hampshire, which is in southern England. And you're welcome to visit our website, which is gohsp.com. And look at all the different workshops we run there for photography, from single one-day courses through to one-year courses, masterclasses, inner circles, private mentoring, and so on. And, of course, there are courses on Photoshop and Lightroom. My name is Kevin Aronson, I'm a professional photographer and I've been behind the camera now for about 52, 53 years. I run an online blog called The Photography Teacher which contains tips, techniques and video tutorials to help you with your photography and editing skills. So when you combine the training centre, the blog and this podcast I'm hoping there's enough material out there to help you grow your photography to where you want it to be. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Talk Talk. I look forward to you joining me again at the next one.